Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson. I want to welcome you to our Galatians teaching this morning. We're going to be in chapter 4, where we will be digging for the wisdom of the cross in God's Word. That's what we're looking for, because that's the avenue it all comes through. And I'm, I'm excited to know that now, and, and uh, excited to have a ministry that's about that now. And, and uh, for those of you that know what I'm talking about, you're as excited as I am. And uh, before we dig into the Word this morning, let me have a small second for a commercial. We put together a 10-CD, preaching CD series, uh, through the years, the Grace Series. This is from 2012 to 2015. 10 CDs just in that year period there. Things that will never be on YouTube. They'll not be on the website. The only way you're going to get it is by purchasing it here. $25, get your copy. Go to our website, thecrosswaychurch.com, and donate there. Tell us what you want that you want it, make sure your address is on there when you donate so we can mail it to you. Once again, it's through the years, the Grace Series, 10 CDs, preaching CDs in this, in this uh, set here. And we, we know that you'll be blessed as you hear some of this true gospel preaching in the context of grace. One last thing is all God's works are done in truth. Hadn't advertised the book in a while. I'm getting kind of low, probably have about 40, 50 books left. And uh, uh, But again, this is all derived on Psalms 33-4, which is paramount in the believer's life if you know what the truth and who the truth is, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Because the Bible says, For the word of the Lord is right, and all His works are done in truth. That means outside of faith in Christ and Him crucified, God won't be working in your life or my life. This is a great read, 62 pages, $15, same website, donate, tell us what you want, put your address there, and we'll mail it to you. And I'm encouraged to be able to make those things available to you. Everything we do here at Crossway Church is uploaded to my YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. And uh, avail yourself to all that, this Galatians teaching, the Romans teaching, uh, all of our worship services, and other things are there as well. There's some sanctification teaching there, uh, repentance teaching there. Just click on the playlist and uh, you'll choose what you want. It's all easy for you in one place. And uh, I'm excited about all that, that we are able to present that to you like we can. Uh, again, our website is thecrosswaychurch.com. And one other thing is we have a church app. The Crossway Church app. You can donate on the app. You can watch live on the app while we're doing live. You can see what's archived. And this week we started uploading even the Romans teaching to the website so that people can go through Roku and watch them and they can uh, go through uh, the church app to watch them so they don't have to do YouTube and that thing. So, And this Sunday morning, I think we're going to be back up and running uh, recording uh, live on YouTube as well, not just my Pastor Curtis Facebook page and the website, but YouTube once again for those of you who watch through that avenue. Uh, Thanks to all of those of you who help us financially every month, who help us get Bibles into the hands of the inmates that are requesting them. It takes $33, about $33 
um, uh, a Bible. And so for those of you who send $33 a month, you can rest well assured you are placing a Bible, an expositor's study Bible, into the hands of an inmate who is requesting that Bible. So if you haven't been doing that, I encourage you to do that. If you seek the Lord, I'm pretty sure he's going to let you know you need to help us do that. And uh, because we need to take Jesus inside the prison system. Amen. Uh, so, uh, one, one other thing before we dig into the Word today. If you're watching us online and on my YouTube, uh, not my YouTube, my Facebook, Pastor Curtis page, you know how you can make comments on there during the message. You can amen or hallelujah or put a scripture on there. Or I'm watching from uh, Beaumont or Germany or whatever. Please, I'm asking you, please, don't just venture off and start preaching your own sermon on there. Amen, Brother Curtis. And, and whatever you comment on there, make sure that it's pertaining to what we're dealing with here. If it's not, then that means you're just drawing attention to yourself. So make sure you stay the course. If you want to make a comment, you feel free to do that. But you make sure it's about what we're talking about because I have the access to allow or disallow anybody to get on there and make comments during this teaching. And, and I don't want to have to push anybody out. I want everybody to be able to comment freely, but make sure you stay the focus. Don't try to preach your own message and everybody say, I love, I love Brother Curtis. Amen. We, we keep order. I'm not ashamed to keep order. I'm not ashamed to say things like that. But we have to, along the way, uh, get pulled back into, wake up, what's going, what am I doing? So, amen, let's stay the course. Praise God. Uh, today, we will be in chapter 4 of Galatians. And uh, when we get ready to start in this, uh, we will begin in verse 27, I believe is where we left off. And uh, just once again, a refresher about this uh, letter to the Galatian church was written somewhere around A.D. 60, and it was written when, uh, you know, on Paul's third journey to Corinth. And so, uh, and the purpose of this letter was written uh, to the Galatians who were really becoming fickle and they're being led astray and real gullible by these Judaizers who had invaded them, trying to bring them back under law. And, 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 and Sister Ferdine and I was talking before we started this morning, and these people that were doing that then, and these people who do that today by the droves, they're, in, they're, they're everywhere. They're, they're, you know, every town in America has got a hundred churches in it at least, or a thousand, somewhere in between, according to the size of the town. And every Every one of these towns or cities has these legalistic churches in it. And what I want to say is they don't really know they're doing wrong. They're deceived. They think they're doing right. They think they're helping somebody. Listen, but when we have the Word of God in its context, which is the righteousness of God, and through faith in the cross, the only avenue of righteousness, then, then we can be aware, even if we like them, love them, even if they've helped us, even if we've honored them in the past, we have the discernment now by the Spirit to know who's right and who's not right by what they present. Not by who we like or dislike, but by what they present. And we can know that it's not of God or it is of God. And let me say something before we get into this today. 
uh, because of what the Lord has given us as a, a, a greater uh, brightness of His Word, a greater spirit of discernment, uh, is this. And it's very simple things the Lord gives us to assure that we're on the right path and we can discern who the right ones are leading on this path and the right ones who are walking with us on this path. All the words of God's mouth are in righteousness. Proverbs 8 and 8. And these things like this need to be said really before every message, before every teaching. We can't just leave it to the assumption that all people know what I'm saying. Every word God has ever spoken is in righteousness. And, and righteousness only comes through the cross, Galatians 2.21. It only comes through the cross. Righteousness only comes through the cross. Well, 2 Peter 1 and 1 says that our faith only comes through righteousness. That's what the Bible says. So everything God has said has to be received, understood in the context of the cross. The Bible is the word of the cross. That's the, the cross is what makes God's word righteousness to us. Words that are righteous. Words that can literally cause faith to come to us. If it's not that avenue, it's not faith that comes, it's flesh. And we wonder why it's not working. Because our faith has not been in the cross. And then the Holy Spirit can give us the understanding of God's Word. So let me say that again real quick. Listen. Righteousness only comes through the cross. Amen. And God's words are righteous. Amen. Every one of them. Yeah. So to understand, to walk in, for faith to be able to come, it must be received in that way. And again, 2 Peter 1 and 1 says, The faith, the like precious faith we've obtained came through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That came out this past weekend in Athens, Tennessee. Something to add to this great message of righteousness. So that was a little extra for you this morning. Extra that we need. We need, we can't run off on our own, uh, just whatever we want to use God's word for, because outside of its righteous context, which is the avenue of Calvary, it's off track. It's the letter of the law then. If it's going to be the spirit of the letter, it's got to be in righteousness. That means it's got to flow through the cross into the pages and then into our hearts. Amen. So. Amen. That was good stuff. We can go to the house already. That was enough just to be praising God over. For those of us who have our faith in the cross, the understanding of that comes. Those who don't will refute that. And, but they can refute all day long. They do not have anything in God's Word to refute us about, with, rather. So, in Galatians chapter 4, verse 27, <clears throat> the Bible says, For it is written, Rejoice! Thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry, you that travailest not, for the desolate has many more children than she which has an husband. Now, this is really talking about Israel being bare. In, the, in, in all these years they've been bare, but God will restore them one day, and they will have an abundance of people. Because God has promised great things to the very uh, lineage of Abraham. And he will bless, he will save. Paul said, all Israel will be saved. But it'll take them witnessing Jesus and confessing him as Lord. They, the Lord doesn't have any other way to save the, the nation of Israel outside the same avenue he saved us. There's only one avenue of salvation. 
And that's through Jesus Christ and Him crucified and our faith in that alone. So, simply put, that which is of the promise will always be more than that which is not of the promise. In all reality, that which is of law never could produce anything but guilt and bondage in man, but the promise produced all the provision, really freedom, and all the provision of heaven for man. And that's, that's exciting. And if you think back, if you look back in verse uh, 9 of chapter 4, really, he, this is what he's really digging into and trying to explain, the reason he's trying to explain it. He says, but now, after that you have known God or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto you desire again to be in bondage. And that's why he's pushing this message here. Because outside of this reality of this allegory that he's given here, he's trying to say that if you go back under law, you go back into a place of condemnation, a place where the benefits of being an heir can, you cannot be experienced. And I've got it here somewhere in my notes. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But you can, we, you and me, can go to law today, and we can be in grace tomorrow. We can go under law this morning and be under grace this afternoon. But you can't ever be under both at the same time. They do not coexist. Jesus is the only man who's ever done that. He's the only man who's ever done that. He lived by grace, under grace. He lived by grace, under law. We can't do that. If we're living by grace, we're not under law. He had to do that. He had to live by grace, under law, to fulfill the law victoriously all the way even unto the death, obedient, obedience unto the death on the cross. But he's the only one that's ever done that. He lived by grace, under law, and he did it successfully. You and I can't do that. If we leave grace, we go under law, we can't experience grace under law. He brought grace to us by being born of a woman under law, fulfilling the law, never disobeying the law, being perfectly obedient. Think about that. I've never thought about that till a few months ago, that Jesus is the only man that's ever lived by grace under law perfectly. You and I can't even, we can't do both. It's either or for us. He came to redeem us from under the law to get us under grace where He can function in our lives as Lord and Savior, which He cannot do under law. Think about that. So everybody that's preaching law, He can't function in their lives. Not unless they, in the last five minutes of their sermon... Preach grace. God can do something in that. See, because we can go in and out. We can go in and out. We, we can, I mean, we, I mean, but it's not just wishy-washy like we're in and out. It's like we know what we're doing. We have to repent and come out. Folks that don't know the message of the cross, uh, they're just under law. They're under law because they're trusted in something else. The lost and the saved. 
But verse 28 says, Now we, brethren, and we is one of the most important words in the New Testament under the writing of Paul. When he says we, he's not talking about uh, just anybody. He's talking about we who've been born again. We who are the children of God, the heirs of God in Christ Jesus. We who've been bought and purchased by the blood. Not just anybody. Not the Judaizers. Not the legalists. Not those that are preaching law. We... Brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. The children of promise. As Isaac was. Well, what was Isaac? Isaac was the promised child. Born of the free woman, not the bond woman. Isaac was the son, the promise. The promise is through Isaac. See, over in the, the other parts of the world, they believe Abraham is their father of faith too. But they believe that that right there is where they split off. Really, they split off way back before that. They really, they really split off. They not they not of God. Period. But that's where they begin to move away from us because they say the promise is through Ishmael. That's why they can't believe the Bible because our Bible says, and our Bible was here before any of their writings. In the beginning was the Word, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And always, that's very important for us to remember and to be equipped with when we're going around dealing with other people because we are contenders for the faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word, so we're really contending for the truth of the Word, the faith. And it's important that we know to tell people God's Word was here first. God spoke, God created the worlds with his word. And when he created man, he gave man the promise. He came in at the, at the, at, at the forfeiture of the promise, and he restored the promise through a redeemer and a sacrifice. Both, not just a redeemer, but the redeemer through the sacrifice. And that was with a promise, a word. So I've, I've, I've even read in books before about how other nations had sacrificial systems and the people of God got it from them. That's a lie. God started everything with His Word. He put everything in motion with His Word. He, he gave, he's the one who initiated sacrifice, not the, the nations of the world. They followed suit under the authority of Satan because he's got to use something of God that's good to make evil exist. Evil is nothing but taking good and perverting good. So he's got to use the sacrifice. He's got to use the Bible. He's got to use the church building with the steeple. He's got to use that which is good of God to pervert it to bring about his lies that produce evil. But God's word was first. Not the world's anything. God was first. His word was first. And he gave his word down through the ages. He built upon it. And he gave it. You know, you think sometimes, I, uh, why did it take Jesus 4,000 years to get here? Think about that. Because we're hard-headed. It's not on just God. It, it took 4,000 years for Jesus to get here because God had to all through the ages, first of all, he had to find somebody who he could trust. Because we're not robots. 
He had to find somebody he could trust called Abraham that he could uh, start a people in. He had to raise up a people. He had to establish a throne that his son would be restored to one day. See, Jesus was king of kings on the earth. He got usurped in the garden. He didn't get usurped in heaven. He got usurped. His authority as king over Adam got usurped in the garden. So God, all through the ages, he had to develop a people. He had to develop his word in them and through them. He had to establish a kingdom, the throne of David, that would one day be for a forever throne for the king of kings, Jesus Christ, to be restored over the authority that was usurped he had. All, and it took that long to get all that in order for him to finally come because in the fullness of time, he came. So it was a planned time. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? So, uh, now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. See, Isaac was a type and a shadow of who we would one day be. He was a type and a shadow of the promise of God, uh, and, and we are walking in that promise of the Lord. Ishmael is not the promise of God. Nope. And in verse 29, we see, but as then... He, was, he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the Spirit, even so it is now. It's always that way. The flesh will always persecute the Spirit. Those who are walking after the Spirit are going to be persecuted, criticized, ridiculed, hammered, bashed, talked bad about behind their back to try to tear them down. The whole letter to the Galatians. In comes the flesh to try to destroy that which is of the Spirit. See, God can see all this. That's why he used Paul like he did to, to pull him aside and to write this letter to the Galatians because he was getting word that the Judaizers had gone way out of their way, way up into the mountains. You know, It wasn't just some folk they ran into and real easy for them to get to. These Judaizers had to make a journey to get to these Gauls who'd been saved. I'm telling you what, the devil will go way out of his way. God went at way out of his way to save us. The devil will go way out of his way to take away that which we've been given. That's right. And he uses man to do that. That's why the Bible says, let no man beguile you, let no man deceive you, let no man steal your crown. That means man can beguile you, man can deceive you, man can steal your crown through the influence of satanic powers by beginning to move away from that which you had faith in to something now you will put your faith in. Mm. Those born of the flesh will always persecute those who are born after the Spirit. This is the very manifestation between people, between people, there's friction there. Think about this. When you meet, and all of us who know the message of the cross, and some people go, I don't know what you're talking about, the message of the cross. Well, it's the message of the cross. The power of God is the preaching of the cross. Will you just believe that? Because the Bible says that. It is the power of God to us who are saved. 
the preaching of the cross. Not that only what got us saved, but as we were in Tennessee this weekend, we brought out in Romans chapter 1, Paul said, I'm praying that I'd have a prosperous journey of the Lord. He would get me there to you, that I could impart a spiritual gift unto you, that we both might have this mutual faith, and I, and I can't wait to get there and do what? Preach the gospel to you, a people who are already saved. Why? Because I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now let me add, when preachers aren't preaching it, they're ashamed of it. I don't care what they say. Well, I'm not ashamed of it. I, I just think there's more than that. No, that's called being ashamed of that because if you don't think that's enough for everything, you're ashamed of it. Amen, Brother Curtis. You can send me all the ugly mail you want to. If you're not preaching it, you don't think it was enough. You don't quite understand the Bible meaning you should be determined to know nothing else, only boast in that, that all the words of God can only be preached properly through the blood of Jesus. Amen. You can't just throw something in at the end of your sermon. You've got to preach the word in its righteous context. Mm. And whenever, think about this, when you and I meet somebody, even if it's by the pork and beans in Walmart, we know when we begin to talk if there's a liberty and a tangible unity there because of our faith is in the cross of Christ. You meet somebody going to one of these crazy places out there, their faith is in the words they speak, their, their faith is in their water baptism, their faith is in uh, the rosary beads, their faith is in anything other than the cross, and you might smile and get along with them, but there's just something in between you and them. Because true biblical unity is the unity of the faith of Jesus Christ. And that is a tangible thing, my friend. You know it when you're in that company. That's why we love to have count meetings. Because you get that many people together, and they're in the faith. I mean, you got a room full of something you can feel up in there. And I know some people watching, well, it ain't about feeling. No, it's not about feeling. But a feeling comes with it, glory to God. If you're in the faith, it comes with a feeling. It's just like the love of God is not a feeling, but if you're experiencing the love of God, there will be feelings there that might make them hands go up and tears of joy come out. There will be a feeling. Love's not a feeling and, and faith is not a feeling, but the reality of both calls us to feel. We're people that feel. We feel for each other. Amen. Amen. Whether it's joy and excitement or it's we feel pain or we feel hurt or grief for each other because we're all one body. You don't, if you don't understand that, I'll give you a good illustration. Bring me your thumb and a hammer. And I promise you, everything on the rest of your body is going to lay down and suffer hover, uh, co- and try to cover that little old thumb you got. And you're giving your whole body attention to that thumb. So when we hurt, we feel for each other. Because what we have is a tangible unity. The world says it this way, birds of a feather flock together. That's what the world says. The Bible calls it a unity of the faith. 
We have discernment. We're not going around condemning, but we are making righteous judgment. Five minutes is all it takes for you to hear, be around somebody, and when you start talking spiritually in our world, if you can get them to talk spiritually with you, you will find out in five minutes, five, only five minutes, if that, what their faith is in. If it's in the sacrifice of Christ, you're about to have a party right there. If it's not, there's just something that's there. You're not, that's not condemnation. That's not us judging. That's us discerning. That's us trying to uh, bring the focus back to Calvary. And if they don't like it, then there's just something there. Folks that we don't need. The, I'm talking about Christians. Just Christians. There's, you know, their faith is like mine used to be in the words we speak, the, the government of 12, the this or the that out there. There's a friction there. There's not unity there. Unity is not just because we get together. Unity is in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, which comes by hearing the word in its righteous context, which only comes through my faith being in the cross. Think about that. If my faith, and I've said enough this morning to prove what I'm about to say, if my faith is not in the cross, my faith is not in the Word. If my faith is not in the cross, then my faith will not be honored by God. Anything in this Bible will not be honored by God. If my faith is not in the cross, my faith is in something else. That means my faith is not in where the righteousness of God comes to me through then the Word can't do me any good. Now, I've said it for years, and the Lord's just now giving me Scripture to confirm it, and I've said it for years. Your faith won't be honored by God in the written Word unless your faith is in the living Word and what He did at Calvary. And see, when folk disagree with that, and, and they don't have a Scripture to correct me with, then their, fa their faith is not legitimate, so we can't be in the unity of the faith. You know what I'm saying? We can be in unity over eating a hot dog together and me sharing the word with you, but we can't be in the unity that's tangible of the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can love them, pray for them, I can uh, just hug them and, and, and all that, but they're, they're, and there's, there don't have to be any ugly that goes on, but that is missing. We don't have to treat people ugly. If we do, we better examine our own self, make sure we in the faith, because it's in the flesh that we treat people ugly, Amen. not after the Spirit. So uh, this is the very manifestation between people, uh, but it is also the battle that rages within our own hearts, this flesh and spirit. It's not just people. And when I say between people, I'm not talking about enemies because our enemy and our adversary is, is not people. We don't fight against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual warf warf warfare, and it's flesh and spirit, but it all takes place in the spirit. It originates in the spirit world. A lot of people say, oh, that woman lives over there. She's very spiritual, and they mean that in a positive way, but it ain't positive because that sister that lives over there has got that sign out there, Madam whoever, come and get your palm read. Let me tell you something. She don't have a clue. And she is spiritual. The devil is spiritual. Angels are spiritual. But we also are spiritual. 
And we, W-E, we who have our faith in the cross, the blood of Jesus, not used to today. Because now faith is the substance. Yesterday don't matter. That substance yesterday is gone. We got fresh manna today. Yesterday's manna is gone. Now faith is the substance of what we're hoping for. And that faith that's now is the faith of the Son of God that loved us and gave himself for us. There's not another faith. Christians would be, uh, do themselves a great favor to begin to study the Word of God. Because uh, you, you get questions all the time like, well, we're saved by this faith, but what faith is it? And books have been written by big-name men, the faith that brings healing, the faith that keeps your healing from going away. Well, there's only one faith. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that there's one faith. And Paul says the life we live now, we live in this flesh by the faith of the Son of God that loved us and gave himself for us. Listen, the Bible says the just, that's those who've been born again by the blood, shall live by faith. That doesn't just mean that the just will find life by faith. It means those of us who are justified shall live by faith. The proof and the confirmation of that is what Paul said. As a born-again, spirit-filled man, the life I live right now. As of today, born-again, spirit-filled, in this flesh body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And people who twist that, turn that, distort that, move it out so that they can continue their self-rotten righteousness before God, there's no unity between us and them. So they don't need to wonder why we don't come to their functions when we're invited. We don't, they don't need to wonder why. They know why we don't come because we don't believe what they believe. Hopefully we believe the same thing for being born again, but we don't believe the same thing for anointing to be in, our, in ministries, for grace to flow through our ministries. We don't believe the same thing for the avenue of provision. We believe in the cross of Jesus Christ. We have to. We've proven it with Scripture this morning. Every word God has spoken is in righteousness, and any and all of His righteousness only comes through the cross. This is another great reason Jesus would teach that you've got to be able to follow me, to come after me, to, to, to have a part in what I offer. You've got to deny yourself of whatever it is that's keeping you from taking up your cross. Take it up and follow me daily. Not deny yourself of Three Musketeer Bar and Dr. Pepper. <laughs> deny yourself of whatever it is that's keeping you from excluding the purpose-driven, the words you speak. You've got to deny yourself of that to take up the cross. I was praising God around the house yesterday morning, just praising God like I do in my own way. I said, thank you, Lord. And sometimes things just come out of my mouth I get excited about. I said, Lord, if, if, if I just hold the cross with both hands, I couldn't hold a cigarette. Glory to God. If I just cling to the cross with both hands, I couldn't pop a top on a Bud Dummer. If I just cling to the cross with all I've got, I wouldn't have a hand left to do anything else. I told Robin when she got home, she went, huh? That's right. I believe that. That's right, if I've got both hands clinging to Calvary, that means if that's where my faith is, I ain't got no other, I don't have a third hand. 
I can't hold a cigarette. I ain't got a hand to hold it. I ain't got a light, a hand to light it. I, I don't. I, you got to have three hands to hold with both hands on something. You got to have a third hand to this worldly stuff. Just cling to, to Calvary. Amen. The warfare is between flesh and spirit. That's what it was between Ishmael and Isaac, man. Ishmael was jealous. He knew the story. Only reason I'm here is because she couldn't have a kid, so they got my mama, brought her in. Here I am. I'm the firstborn. I'm really the one who's supposed to have the blessings, but here he is claiming to be the promise over there. There's friction going on. And How many of you know the flesh was before the Spirit? Bible teaches that. And there's, there's a controversy there. There's friction there. Yeah, a battle rages there. And, and not only was it outward under the law like that, but as for us, now it's inward. It's inward. It's, 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 and we'll read that in Galatians chapter 5, and I know that's in the next chapter. We're not in chapter 5 yet, but we're going to push over there just for a couple of verses in verses 16 and 17 in chapter 5. We'll get to chapter 5 probably in 2022, but we're taking this one, one, one day a week at a time. We're not in any hurry. I just assume the rapture happens today. I, then the Lord can teach me the rest of this. Praise God. And I won't have to be up here doing this every Friday. It's a blessing for me, and I shouldn't say have to. I get to do this. But listen, there won't be any need for this once we're out of here. Amen. And if there is some sort of need for it, it won't be happening here. It'll be happening in a better place. Galatians 5.16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. doesn't say you won't have problems with it, because the next verse tells you you're going to have problems with it. But if you walk after the Spirit, if you know what that is, means faith in the cross. Because that's where you began in the Spirit, Galatians chapter 3. It's told you plain English. Amen. Then you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And that's, that's what we should desire not to do. Flesh is going to rise up, but it's the fulfilling of it that will destroy our faith, our lives, our families, and everything. It's the fulfilling of flesh that destroys everything. But the fulfilling of the Spirit fulfills God's plan for our lives, keeps us in the victory provided. Watch this, verse 17. Because the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Both the Spirit and the flesh are at all times against one another. And I copied for us to read it right out of Weist, uh, Kenneth Weist, I believe is his name, the New Testament portion that he wrote about this right here. And it says this, The evil nature constantly has a strong desire to suppress the Spirit. That's unending. It never stops. Don't think you're going to attain to a place where this is over. What you're in, this battle raging, and it rages more the more truth you know. That's why when you come to the message of the cross, don't, don't listen, don't bring a picnic basket thinking you're going to tiptoe through the tulips of holiness. You're not. You're entering into a greater degree of warfare, but you have a greater knowledge of victory. Hallelujah. It doesn't go down. It gets more. The very day that David was given authority and made king over all of Israel, the Bible says in that day all the Philistines rose up. 
When you step into truth and begin to live in victory, I'm telling you, there's coming some stuff against you. Amen. And don't let the devil tell you everything's falling apart in your life. It'll feel like it, but you need to know because you now have the truth of the cross, things aren't falling apart in your life. They're falling into place. Hallelujah. Most of the time, us, oh, glory to God, I feel that this morning. When things feel like it's falling apart, it's not. It's falling into place. If you'll stay anchored in the cross, for that's where God continues to be allowed to perform that work, to put that puzzle of your life together. The devil's trying to tear it apart, but he will perform the putting together of his will in your life, and it will go forward. The devil can't stop it. But you got to understand that when things are, seem like they're going haywire, or whatever that word is, whatever that means, haywire, what's that mean? It's just something we use for when things are being, feel like they're being torn apart. As long as your faith is anchored in the cross, we don't live by all these things that are happening. We live by our faith. The just shall live by faith. Our faith is our victory, and it was given to us at the cross. Amen. We live by that faith. And, you know, the Lord gave me something about a year ago. I was praying for somebody somewhere at some altar. And, and uh, the Lord told, told me to tell them, uh, when you feel like you're being squeezed hard, just know that's the Lord holding you tighter through this season. You're in His hand. And if you're in his hand, that means when these things are going on, God, don't, don't let the devil tell you, well, God's opened up his hand. and No, God holds us tighter. He holds us tighter in these seasons of trial and, and, and temptation or whatever we may be going through. But the battle between the flesh and the spirit is an inward battle. We have to fight the good fight of, of faith daily, take up our cross daily, denying ourselves of anything our good friends or some pastor would try to tell us, or even in and of our own selves, trying to, the devil trying to teach us the word. The devil will teach you the word, but he will never teach you the righteousness of God's word. Because as our faith is in the righteousness of God's word, the fruit of his righteousness comes forth. Amen. So, Verse 17, Galatians 5, For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot, you cannot do the things that you would. If the flesh is allowed to rule, the Bible here says you cannot do the things you know you should be doing. The flesh cannot produce the will of God, and the flesh is all that will operate under law. The whole purpose, remember, always think back, why is he writing this? To a people who are being persuaded to go back under the law where the flesh dominates, the sin nature dominates. So weast, he says this, the evil nature constantly has a strong desire to suppress the spirit and the spirit constantly has a strong desire to suppress the evil nature. And these are entrenched in an attitude of mutual opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you desire to do. The purpose of the Judaizers, the purpose of false teaching, it's hidden. 
The purpose is hidden. And again, as Sister Ferdinand and I was talking before the study, these people that are under the law, they actually believe they're helping you. But there is no help from people under law. There is no help. There's only pain and hurt and, and, and uh, an, an invi- invitation into that which what you know you should be doing can never be done. Under law, we cannot do that which we know we should be doing. We will constantly try to do that which is right, be delivered from this, that, or the other, and it will never be there. We'll have to go to church and put on a front, a fake smile, and literally have to lie to people. Because under law, there is no freedom. Think about that statement. In every group of people where their faith is not in the cross, they're under law. So everything they're proclaiming that God is providing for them, they're lying. Now that'll make you turn me off or shout for joy because it's a reality according to the Word. God cannot provide victory. He cannot provide anything for those that live under the law. He sent His Son to get them out from under the law so that He could put them under grace, the avenue by which righteousness and faith comes, and it's by faith we receive everything from the Lord. Again, let's bring it in, 2 Peter 1 and 1. Even this like precious faith we have obtained that comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, we've obtained it through the righteousness of God. Your Bible says that. And Galatians 2.21 says, The avenue of this righteousness does not come by law, but by grace through the death of Jesus. It's in your Bible. That is profound for the Christian who wants to learn the Word. Your faith is only legitimate if it has come to you through hearing the righteousness of God's Word because your faith is in the sacrifice. Maybe you need to go listen to this again in the archives with your Bible in front of you. Those of you who are in the workplace or driving down the road, maybe you need to go back. Not maybe, you do. You're hearing things now that making you stop and realize, wow, wow. For my faith to be legitimate, it has to have come to me through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's in your Bible, 2 Peter 1 and 1. In Galatians 2.21, I keep repeating it because people get blown away. What in the world? I've never heard that before. God, and I've told you over the last few months, God is increasing the great plainness of this gospel. That's what he's increasing, the very light of this gospel, the great plainness of speech and and the confirmation in the word. Our faith only comes through righteousness, the righteousness of God, which was given to us through our faith in the cross, Galatians 2.21, 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. It's the only avenue, not just of initial status of righteousness, but for us to be able to be led, again, why are we reading Galatians? Why was it written? So they could stay on the path of righteousness and continue to allow the Lord to affect them and profit them, which He cannot do if they move from grace, faith in the cross. It don't matter if you keep using God's Word, you're out of the avenue of functionality by the Spirit now. This is powerful this morning. 
This is very powerful. For those who have ears to hear, which means those who will just simply believe the Word of God in the context of Calvary, your life can be changed on this very day because of what you just heard. See, it's only the humble man, woman, or young boy or girl that'll stop in their tracks when they hear the Spirit of the Lord tell them, you've been wrong, but I'm showing you what's right. Humility is the only one, the only person that's humble will say, Lord, I'm sorry. And I'm willing to give up this. I'm willing to get away from that. I'm willing to let this go. I'm willing to move away. I'm, I'm willing to let you plant me where the truth is coming forth because your word declares they that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of their God. Psalms 92, 13. But the only flourishing in our lives comes through our faith. Our faith. God doesn't just flourish people. It comes through faith. All the avenue of God's blessings come through faith in the cross. Not just God's word that's outside of its righteous context. And while we're on the subject with about 12 minutes left, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 6 through 9 give us two things that make the New Testament ministry legitimate in our lives. God has enabled us, empowered us to be New Testament ministries if it's the spirit the ministry of the Spirit and of righteousness. And righteousness only comes not just through the cross 2,000 years ago, but through my faith in the cross today, right now. The understanding of these verses, all verses in Scripture, because God says everything I've ever spoken is in righteousness. Therefore, everything I've ever spoken, I've spoken in the context of my son and what he would do for you at Calvary. Not just about that and now everything. No, every word must be received, understood, and walked by faith in the context of the cross. Well, I just don't believe that. I, the reason you can say that, my friend, is because you've been brainwashed by many, many, many false prophets. And it is only the humble man who will just say, Lord, I see it in your word. I accept it. I'm a child of God. I'm being stirred right now. I may be becoming angry, but it's because I'm angry, really, not at Brother Curtis, not at the messenger, although I might think I am. I'm really angry that I've allowed myself to be this far deceived and distracted, and I've allowed my flesh to run my life if what he's saying is right. And what I'm saying is right and cannot be refuted with the Word of God. And that's what you must bring to me to refute this. Amen. See, the flesh can't stand it. When a cross-preaching church is raised up in a little storefront, old piggly-wiggly somewhere, raised up in some sporting goods store, raised up even in a living room of somebody's house, the devils begin to tremble because now there's the message that can change an entire community, can change an entire city. That's why we're going into Wichita Falls, Texas this next month because there's not a cross-preaching church there. There's probably preachers there that think they're preaching the truth, but but I promise you, if they're not preaching the cross, they can't be preaching the truth. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Amen. The, the truth reveals righteousness. Amen. Proverbs 12, 17. And the only, it means that remains truth reveals the avenue of righteousness, which is the cross of our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Note here one very important thing, which is that the Christian has the desire to do good, but unless he learns the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, he will never find victory to do that which he knows is good. That's one powerful thing that's coming out of this teaching today. Christians know what they should be doing because it's in the Word. But how to do what I know to do that's good, I can't find it under law. I can't never obtain it. I can't never obtain victory. And, and again, I'll say this thing that was profound a while ago, as long as I'm under law, there is no victory provided. I said experience. It's been provided. But there's no experience of victory for me under law. I don't care if the preacher comes along and says, well, not all of it. If you're under law, there's no experience of victory. All you can do is lie about what you're experiencing now. <coughs> that's all you can do. Think about that. that it, that's a profound statement. Everybody out there who rejects the message of the cross as the object of their faith and say, no, the Word of God is the object of my faith. Their faith is not legitimate. Therefore, if their faith is not legitimate, then they're going to have a fake substance. Now, faith is the substance of what I'm hoping. So if my faith is not right, my substance won't be right. And there you have your birth of the charismatic false movement. Faith wrong, substance wrong. And the devil sees that as an opportunity to go in and pretend to be God with his spirits of demons seducing the people of God. Bible. If it's not the power of the cross, my friend, the power you're experiencing is not of God. And if it's not the truth of God's Word that's changing you and liberating you, that means faith in the cross. Then it's not the ministry of righteousness and it's not the power of God you're dealing with. Amen. Let's get back to the story. Y'all distracted me long enough. Ishmael and Isaac. There's a war there going on. Verse 30 says this. Nevertheless, what says the Scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. The law has got to go. That's why you're no longer in a law-preaching church. They still don't know they're preaching law. They get up and preach from the pulpit. We're not saved by works, but we're saved by grace. And then they preach law. I, I'm not being ugly. I did it. They're still doing it. They don't follow preachers of the faith, what we believe. They follow preachers who have a false faith, faith in the words they speak. That's not faith. Listen, they use scriptures to distort and twist out of its righteous context. And out of that context, my friend, you're being overcome by your flesh, even if your whole congregation thinks you are Mr. Spiritual and hearing from God, you are not Mr. Spiritual and hearing from God. It's another spirit you're hearing from. 
You have the Bible, but outside of its righteous context, it's not God teaching you the truth. Proverbs 12, 17, He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness. And that only is revealed, my friend, in Christ and His sacrificial work at Calvary. I can't get away from this this morning. If we preach the truth of God's Word, it points to the Christ and His cross. Because all the benefits are there. Our faith even comes from there. And the Bible doesn't say faith was 2,000 years ago. The Bible says now faith is. For my faith to be legitimate right now, it must be the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Nevertheless, what saith the Scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, because the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. Here we have the confirmation of what we said earlier, that you cannot have both. You can go back and forth, and we do. We have. Hopefully we're doing it less and less. Learning to be the good soldiers we're called to be. Learning to be the salt and the light. Learning to stay in a place where we're walking after the Spirit. Learning to contend for the faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Learning to deny ourselves. I said learning to deny ourselves. We're still learning to deny ourselves. You know, we, we know the truth. Now our biggest issue is us. It's always been our biggest issue. Amen. So this confirms what we said earlier about you can't operate under grace and law. Jesus is the only one who's ever done that, and he did it perfectly. You and I can't do it. And he came to get us out from under law because law says I can do it. We can do it. Grace says he's done it. And if our faith is in what he says he's done, then that means he will continue to do what he wants to do, what he needs to do in us to see us become that which we need to be. So let's read this again. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, because the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. It is not a mixture. You know, these preachers that are doing this Chrislam stuff, Christianity and Islam, there is no mixture. They're lost. They're under law. There is no mixture. If there's mixture in the pot, that means our faith is not legitimate. We love all people. We love all people who are bound in any religion because they're not our enemy. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against the spirits behind that. And it's the, it's, it's the flesh. And it's demon spirits driving those fleshly religions that are not of God. Can you imagine being brainwashed? And we can be. Don't think we can't be. Being so brainwashed that you think you're right with God because you wear some beads or you go into a place and pay money, light a candle, and just stare up at a statue who's made in the emblem uh, image of some lady, uh, the Virgin Mary, and you're just looking at her eyes crying and weeping and thinking, God, now listen, you, you, can, you and I can be deceived to that point. Well, I can. I don't know. I guess they can't. I can be deceived to that point. And because I know that, I'll guard my heart. So I'm telling them, y'all better be careful. I know I can. So I'm guarding my I've already been carried off and mutilated, <coughs> abused by the enemy, my own flesh, the cause. 
Can't, can't blame the devil. He was defeated. Can't, can't, can't just blame false preachers. The Bible says when, we, uh, when the flesh is being fulfilled, that it's because it's the lust of my flesh. There's something I'm after. And Christians have been lied to by the devil for so long using the Word of God, just as the Judaizers did, using the Bible to try to get that which you know God's promised. Their Bible's full of promises. But let me remind you, there's only one avenue to get in and one avenue to be in to, to, to have the fruits of His righteousness. We can be so deceived, we'll make it about earthly riches right now when the Lord's emphatically told us to be laying them up for when you get there. He's told us it's hard for a rich man to enter heaven, and most preachers are telling everybody what you got to do to be rich. You know what they're preaching to you? How to make it hard to get in. See how deceptive that can be. Hmm. This confirms the truth that there are absolutely no benefits under law, and the only thing we as children of God should be doing daily is casting out the chains and bonds of the law through faith in the cross, which is the only avenue of God's grace. Powerful. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. Last verse of this chapter. So then, brethren, we, there's that word again, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. He's reminding them. Listen, you've been bought with the blood. We're not, we're not like them. It's okay to say you're not like, like them. Jesus said, don't be like them. If your righteousness does not surpass that of the Pharisees, you ain't getting in heaven is what Jesus taught. It's okay to say, don't be like them because they're unbiblical. That's not condemning. That's using righteous judgment. They'll tell us today quickly, especially us cross-eyed preachers and saints, they, oh, they're just condemning everybody. No, we're using God's Word. One of Andrew's friends here sometime back said, you can't talk to Andrew. All he wants to do is use Scripture. <laughs> well, praise God for that Amen. because the answer is in the Scripture. Amen. Well, we've had a great session today, our 43rd session uh, in uh, the book of Galatians. Share this message. Don't do, don't do you any good to like it. Don't do anybody else any good for you to like it. Hit the share button. Send it out. Let everybody have an opportunity to hear it. I've got 3,700 Facebook friends. About 1,100 only follow me. So that tells you something right there. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you next week at 9 a.m. right here, same place. And until then... Stay determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified.